This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. I invite David to read our first read. Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 1. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, Hezron the father of Aram, Aram the father of Amminadab, Amminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon. And Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, Jesse the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, Rehoboam the father of Abijah, Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, Manasseh the father of Amos, Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Salathiel, Salathiel the father of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, Abiud the father of Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Methan, Methan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading this morning is from the book of Ruth, chapter 4, and it takes us to the end of the book. No sooner had Boaz gone up to the gate and sat down there than the guardian redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came passing by. So Boaz said, come over, friend, sit down here. And he went over and sat down. Then Boaz took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. He then said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our kinsman Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me so that I may know. For there is no one prior to you to redeem it, and I come after you. So he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, The day you acquire the field from the hand of Naomi, you are also acquiring Ruth the Moabite, 
the widow of the dead man, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance. At this, the guardian redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself without damaging my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I can't redeem it. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one took off a sandal and gave it to the other. This was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, acquire it for yourself, he took off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, today you are witnesses that I have acquired from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Marlon. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, the wife of Marlon, to be my wife, to maintain the dead man's name on his inheritance in order that the name of the dead may not be cut off from his kindred and from the gate of his native place. Today you are witnesses. Then all the people who were at the gate, along with the elders, said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you produce children in Ephrathah and bestow a name in Bethlehem. And through the children that the Lord will give you by this young woman, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When they came together, the Lord made her conceive, and she bore a son. Then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without guardian redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her bosom and became his nurse. The women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the descendants of Perez. Perez became the father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Aminadab, Aminadab of Nashon, Nashon of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse of David. Hear the word of the Lord. Good morning. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your holy word. May it be a lantern to our feet, a light to our paths, and strength to our lives. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, Jaxie and Fintan are two men who need redemption. In Tim Winton's novel, The Shepherd's Hut, Jaxie Clacton is a rough teenager who's grown up in a country town in rural Western Australia. His father violently abuses him, but after a terrible accident, he runs away to escape his past and to escape false accusations. He runs into the desert, and there he finds another man, Fintan Magillus. Fintan is an ex-priest who's been exiled to a remote desert hut for unknown crimes. Both of these men need redemption and restoration. Jaxie needs 
needs release from his violent upbringing and his past. And Fintan needs release from the guilt and shame of his past. Redemption is about renewal and release. According to the Bible, we need the same kind of redemption that Jaxi and Fintan need. We need redemption from what's inside us, from our guilt and shame and from the irresistible pull of sin in our lives. And we need redemption from what's outside us, from the broken and corrupt world that we live in and from the damaging effects of past relationships. So where do we find redemption? Well, one of the places where Jaxi and Fintan look for redemption is in themselves and in each other. Each of them helps the other to find renewal. Each demonstrates some bravery and sacrifice to find their own redemption. Now, this is a common story, but is it right? Can we redeem ourselves or even each other? And what role does God play in our redemption? So the question is, who? Who will be our redeemer? Well, as we look at Ruth chapter 4 today, this is the final installment of our four-week series on Ruth. We meet four people, four potential redeemers, and we'll see who it is that can redeem. So Naomi and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, they're two women looking for redemption. Remember, the book of Ruth comes right after the book of Judges in the Old Testament, about a thousand years before Jesus. And at this time, in the time of the book of Judges, the whole nation of Israel was in serious trouble. They were corrupt. They were divided among themselves. They were oppressed from people outside. And they were under the judgment of God. And so the whole nation needed rescuing. But Naomi and Ruth found themselves trapped in the middle of all of this. Naomi lost her husband and her two sons, and now it's just her and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And they need help. They're destitute, vulnerable, and hurting. But last week, we saw that Ruth approached this prominent, wealthy man, Boaz, and asked him to be their guardian redeemer. I remember a guardian redeemer was someone who, according to Israel's law, was someone who would help out their relative when they were in trouble like this, when they fell on hard times. And Boaz agreed. He said he'd do it, but there's a problem because there's someone else who's a closer guardian redeemer. And so things are still up in the air. Will they really be redeemed? Things are unresolved. And if they will be, who will do it? And so we come to chapter 4. Boaz, he goes to the town gate. The town gate was the center of council and commerce in the ancient Near East. It's where you went to get business handled. And suddenly the guardian redeemer passes by. So Boaz says, come here, sit down. The man sits down. Boaz, okay, I need some witnesses. He gets the elders of the town, 10 of them. Come here, sit down. And they listen to this prominent man. They sit down. And Boaz begins his negotiations. Naomi has a parcel of land that belonged to her dead husband, and you have first right to buy it. Will you redeem it? Now, we haven't heard anything about Naomi's land up, up till this point, but land was livelihood. And it's likely that Naomi inherited this land from her dead husband, 
But because she didn't have anything, she, she couldn't farm it. She couldn't do anything to get anything out of it. That's why she had land but was still destitute. So she needs someone to take ownership, to invest in it and produce food to support her. Now, this guardian redeemer, this stranger, he knows a good investment when he sees it. He looks at this piece of land, he thinks, well, I can pay for it. I'll grow my own estate and then I can increase my income from its produce and I can take care of this widow, no problem. So I'll redeem it, he says. But then Boaz reveals the other part of the deal in verse 5. He says, when you buy the land, you'll also get Ruth the Moabite, and you'll need to give her children to carry on her dead husband's name. Now, this intelligent investor looks at the fundamentals and knows that this isn't going to work. If he takes on Ruth as a wife, any children that they have will immediately inherit the land. And so this guy will have completely lost his investment. He would have forked out all this money And then the land ends up going to the children of this foreign woman. And he'll lose it all. So in verse 6, he deals himself out. I I cannot redeem it, he says. This man is a failed redeemer. Over the last few weeks, we've been hearing from Ruth about how we can be helping each other, expressing kindness, giving each other rest, to lift each other up out of difficult situations. But this failed redeemer is an example of what not to do because he was focused on himself. He's all set to benefit from the redemption laws at first. He gets first dibs on this new plot of land. But as soon as he realizes that it's actually going to cost him, he backs out. And that's a risk for all of us, that we seek to benefit from the community that we're in but we don't actually seek to give back. And it's only as long as it works for us. And so it's worth asking, are there places in your life, in your community, especially in your church family and especially in your own family, where you're drawing benefit, but only as far as it works for you and you're not giving back? We thought a little bit a couple of weeks ago about transactional relationships, the way that we can tend to stick in a relationship as long as it kind of works for both of us. There's some kind of mutuality there. But the challenge is that when things are risky or inconvenient or comfortable or, uh, sorry, uncomfortable or maybe even expensive, We don't just run away. We don't just back out of it, but we stick at it. So this guardian redeemer, he won't redeem. But what about Boaz? He's our second potential redeemer. What does he do? Well, with this strange custom of taking off sandals and handing them around, he does what he promised. Verses 9 and 10, he buys the land from Naomi and Ruth with it. And Boaz is a strong redeemer. Now, just a little sidebar here. You might have noticed that in this, you might have noticed in the reading, this talk about Boaz acquiring Ruth, or even better translated, buying Ruth. Now, this can be pretty off-putting for us, um, with Ruth being treated as property. And the reality is that in that time and place, that's 
that's how women were treated. That's how things worked. And now we recognize that marriage is mutual. And that actually comes from the vision of marriage in the New Testament, other places in the Bible, and especially in Paul's vision of marriage in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where he describes the man and the woman as both belonging to each other, which was completely radical at the time and was radical even up until the Middle Ages uh, when that idea first started actually taking root in our Western culture, which is where we get it from. But when we read the Bible and we look back at especially uh, some of these books in the Old Testament, we need to remember that God is working within and through these cultural norms. We might wish that Boaz rejected that, but he doesn't. But what he does do is that he works within that situation, within that culture, to bring redemption for Ruth and for Naomi. Boaz is a is a prominent and wealthy man in his community. And he has had lots of opportunities up until this point to take advantage, to abuse his power. But instead, all the way through the book, have you noticed? He defers to Ruth. He defers to this poor foreign woman. He follows her initiative. And now he gives up his privileges to help her and to rescue her, to pull her out of her Desperate situation, and for Naomi. And so he is an example to us. For any of us who have power, privilege, or wealth, to use it to help other people, to help others who are stuck, to prioritize a loving kindness over a good investment, and to live to the full extent and spirit of the law. And so the challenge for us today, again, and it's kind of the flip side of what we saw with the failed Redeemer, the challenge for us is to ask, how can we use our resources and strengths to rescue or liberate other people around us? What will you do with the opportunities that the Lord has given you to lift others up? And we can think about it on a big picture perspective and also on a more personal, smaller picture perspective. And from a big picture, we can think about the ways that we can support missions, say, that liberate some of the 40 million people around the world caught in modern-day slavery, people in forced labour, domestic servitude, sex slavery, child labour. 15,000 people in our own city in some kind of servitude. Another way for us is to look at supporting, say, uh, refugees from Afghanistan. Our own Anglican Aid is just one organisation that helps to do this. The opportunities for these kinds of things are countless. But on the smaller picture, we can think about ways that we personally, with the people around us, can help lift people up whether we're making sure that we're paying people fairly or generously, looking for ways to help family or friends, maybe if they're caught in domestic violence or financial difficulties, giving them a place to stay or paying someone's bills or repaying a loan that's crushing them or even looking to foster or adopt children. These are all really powerful ways that we can use our opportunities and wealth and advantage to rescue and redeem people around us, just like Boaz did.
But there's a third person in this story who has a potential to be a redeemer of sorts. Ruth, she's not called a redeemer in the story, but she helps to bring redemption to, to Naomi and actually to the whole nation of Israel. Throughout the book, Ruth has worked to help Naomi, to rescue Naomi. Remember, right at the start, she was destitute, and Ruth could have gone back to her homeland to find shelter in her own family, but she clings to Naomi, and she clings to her God. And then she goes out and she worked hard for grain for both of them. And then she went out and she approached Boaz. And in the end, she gives birth to a son who will care for Naomi in her old age, give life and nourishment to her. But Ruth doesn't just help out Naomi. Ruth actually is on the path to redeeming Israel of the whole nation. You see, the child that she bears, we'll come back to this child, but the child that she bears leads to King David, who acted as a rescuer for the whole nation. And so the crowd praises Ruth. Before we get onto the child, the crowd praises Ruth for what she does. Verse 11, they compare her. Uh, to Rachel and Leah. They say, May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. Now, Rachel and Leah, back in the book of Genesis, they were two women who gave birth to half of the nation of Israel, or what would become, sorry, not the half of the nation, gosh, a million people, uh, just half of then what would become the nation of Israel. And they also compare her to Tamar. Another woman in Genesis. Tamar's story is a really awful story, really. But in it, God lifts up Tamar, a foreigner, mistreated badly by the men around her, and she contributes to God's very plans for the world. All of these women, in, in, this little, in these few verses here, they take center stage for rebuilding the nation of Israel. And so Ruth shows us the vital place for marginalised people in God's plan for the world and in his church. She, Ruth, affirms the central place of women, of minorities, of the poor, of the uneducated, of the weak, powerless. And that's just one of the planks, that's actually one of the planks of the gospel, that in Christ, every person is equal before God, Jews and Gentiles, men and women, slaves and free. And Ruth shows us that every kind of person can be powerfully effective in God's plan for the world. Now, again, there are some kind of cultural differences and difficulties here because Ruth is held up as a woman who only achieves this really by getting married and having kids. Now, that's definitely part of it in this story at that time. But Ruth is also countercultural. She's the one, we said before, who takes initiative and pushes Boaz. Um, she's the one who, when she went to Boaz at night, Naomi said, go to Boaz, he'll tell you what to do. But instead of waiting for Boaz to tell her what to do, she said, Boaz, come on, you've got to step up as guardian redeemer. She subverts the culture and she brings about redemption. And that's why the women near the end of this passage say that she's worth more than seven sons, which is an unbelievable claim at that time. 
So whether you're a woman who feels oppressed or you're socially isolated or foreign or not edu- or you don't feel you're educated enough or not wealthy enough or you feel pressed down and weak, well, like Ruth, you have real dignity and agency and God can make an incredible difference in his plans through you. And he invites you to participate fully in the life of the church. Uh, I'm ashamed to admit this this little story, uh, but I think it's important. It was a few years ago, I was leading a a youth ministry in another church, and I had a team of leaders, and I'm thinking of two of them in particular, two young guys. One was a young man on the autism spectrum, and he struggled with social interaction. The other was a young man with a really quite a severe stutter. And I'm I'm ashamed to admit that when I kind of first found myself in that situation, I I didn't really expect a whole lot from them. But very soon I realized that they were some of the most faithful, loving, and godly men in that church. And I watched them make a deeply significant impact on the leaders around them and especially on the youth under their care. And not just in spite of their difficulties, but actually through them and with them. I was shamefully wrong about them, and God used them powerfully. I fear that in the church we're permeated by the world's ideas about power and honour. We privilege the perspective of the powerful and wealthy. We measure people by what they do or the confidence they exude or the public influence that they've had. But that's not the way of the cross. That's the way of the world. So that's Ruth, an unexpected redeemer. But in the end, it's not actually Ruth who redeems in this story. It's her child, Obed. In verse 15, the women say, oh sorry, from verse 14, look what the women around Naomi say. They say, blessed be the Lord who has not left you, Naomi, this day, without guardian redeemer, and may his name be renowned in Israel. Now, at that point, it makes you think, oh, yeah, Boaz, guardian redeemer, right? But hold on, just read on. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more more to you than seven sons, has borne him. The climactic guardian redeemer in this story is Obed, the son born to Ruth. Because Obed is the grandfather of King David, who will bring redemption to the nation. Now remember where we started with Ruth? These were the days of the judges. The nation needed redemption. But this is the turning point. Through this seemingly insignificant family in Bethlehem, Israel will have peace with their enemies, forgiveness from the Lord, and return to living under God's created good rule. But it wouldn't just stop there because you noticed, we all noticed the New Testament reading that we had, Matthew chapter 1. 
the first 17 verses from the New Testament, the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of the world, come through Ruth, through Obed. We started reflecting at the beginning about the redemption that Jaxi and Fintan needed and the redemption that all of us need from what's inside us and what's outside us. Yeah, yeah, we can find relief and some measure of redemption, some small r redemption in each other. But in the end, we need Jesus to rescue us. His death on the cross delivers you from the weight of guilt and shame. His resurrection rescues you from sickness and death unto eternal life. His forgiveness and his restoring spirit renews you from your damaging relationships and from the pull of evil desires in your life that you can't resist. And his return will rescue all of us from our broken world. And so if you want redemption, he is where to find it. He is the one who will do it. So if you're strong, you can use your strength to rescue others. If you're weak, God can and will use you to bring about his redemption. But in the end, it is Jesus Christ who will restore your life and nourish you into your old age and into eternal life. So take hold of him and live. Let me pray. Our Father, we praise you for our Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our Restorer, our Nourisher. Father, help us to cling to him, to take hold of him as our Redeemer, and so receive life through him. And we pray that we would, as a result of that, live out a life where we share that redemption with others, uh, that we seek to help people who are stuck and that we share the, the news of this redemption with the world. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.